Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. My name's Phil, a mixing and mastering engineer with Fortis Sound Studios. Welcome one and all to the first interview of the podcast of 2021, the space year 2021. Uh, although I say that uh, we recorded it in December and in fact it's December as I speak right now but that's just the magic of podcasts Ooh. anyway um so this week it's an interview as I say with Will Young or William Young of Defences just not to get him confused with you know that Will Young so it's a really interesting conversation about all sorts of things so we chat about sharing the stage with another singer at the same time kind of practically how you do that changing a band's sound and using everyone's skills behind the scenes to benefit the band so, I'm not going to waste any more time. Without any further ado, here is my interview with Will Young. So, today on the podcast, I am joined by William Young of Defences. Hello, how are you? Hey, um, yeah, not bad. Just getting through lockdown, really, uh, as is everyone, I think. Surviving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so, a great place to start, it's always a great place to start, is... How did you get into music in the first place? And then following on from that, how did you join the band? Because I think the band was already there when you when you got into it. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, uh, something I was going to touch on. Yeah, um, getting into music, I don't really know. I mean, I kind of liked some music. Like, I knew I liked music. I just never really had a favourite genre when I was a kid. And... Uh, I think in secondary school, I was part of choir and stuff like that. I ended up just joining as part of an extracurricular kind of thing. And then from there, I started playing keyboards, uh, learning keyboard, electronic keyboard for quite a few years. But I suppose um, when it comes to rock, ironically, or not really ironically, but funnily enough, it was like, because I was quite into video games as a kid. So like the Sonic Adventure games, oh. <laughs> I think actually got me into rock music as crazy as it is. It's a way in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then from there, yeah, obviously after having done choir and keyboard and stuff for several years at, at um, secondary school, then I did music as a GCSE and A-level. And then I did a year of vocal performance um, at Tech Music School, which is now BIM, uh, London. So I did that and then did a degree and then did a master's in music management after that. So I've always kind of been involved since getting into it, really. But um, yeah, just a bit of an all-rounder, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of defences, I... I actually don't know when I first heard about them. It might have been through the kind of the face down kind of events that were going on. I know Justin Jackson was putting on shows and stuff. And I think that might have been the first time I actually heard the name pop up. But then it only like I only came into contact with them when an old band of mine were looking to do touring and stuff like that. And we were speaking to I think it was a band called Callus Caligula who are a local like West London band. And we knew some of the old members and stuff. And they were doing a tour with they were doing a tour with Defences, I think. Defences were already on the tour and we were looking to be the third band on the bill. But the the stretch was way too long for us, so we we weren't able to, to commit. And I think they got high rise to fill in instead. But I was still obviously interested to see. I hadn't actually seen that friend of mine's band, so I was like, yeah, cool, I'll come down. Um, and I knew high rise were, were good. I'd seen them years before. Um, and Defences were on the bill, so that was the first time I actually met them and kind of spoke to them and... I found out that the guitarist was literally lived down my road at the time. It was, yeah, it was kind of one of those things where like we were in just kind of different realms. So like we were quite close in some ways, but we never really connected that much. But they were, they'd always kind of speak to me if I knew anyone who did kind of heavy vocals. But originally they were looking for a bass player as well. 
because um, they had a two guitar kind of lineup. And, you know, there was a guy I, I got to fill in for a bit, but it just got like different styles kind of thing. And I think it got to the point for defences where they were like, you know, let's get someone who can actually really do one thing rather than trying to find someone who can do both. Uh, and because they're not extremely guitar riffy, you know, they don't have crazy leads or anything like that that really require two guitarists. So I think they they kind of stripped down what they had and just doubled down on the vocal part. And yeah, so after I was in Archeon, Cal messaged me again. And obviously the kind of the stars aligned at that point. And I went over to his house for a quick chat. I think it was during his birthday, funnily enough. And uh, yeah, so I started depping. And then from there, they were like, we we like this new kind of thing we've got going. You're in. <laughs> it, was, it, was, yeah, it worked out quite nicely, yeah. A slightly different question, which just it just interests me on a kind of a personal note, if nothing else, is I can understand joining a choir or coming from a choir, how you get into the idea of singing and being a singer in a band and things like that. But... To my to my mind, there's there's a difference between singing and doing what I'm going to call growling vocals, which is is your main thing, I would say. So, how did you get into that? I think it was kind of just a product of just this kind of social thing that was going on at the moment. Like, you know, all my friends were kind of like we were all kind of getting into metal and stuff. Like, people in my year and stuff, where a couple of friends formed a band, and like, you know, I was like, I'd love to be part of this, but the only instrument I really play and have, you know, grades in, because, you know, that was kind of the thing that kids judged each other on, in a way, uh, when it came to music, was keyboard. And it was just like, well, you know, how do you do metal in a keyboard unless you're doing, like, goth rock or something? I was singing stuff I liked anyway. And I think when I was, like, 15, maybe, 14, 15, I, like, ended up learning how to, you know, do that kind of style of vocals. And so from there, I just kind of leaned on that and was able to just develop my voice for a while. I wasn't actually in a proper band until maybe 20, 20, end of 2013, I think. So I started, I started doing vocals in probably like 2007 or eight, like metal, metal vocals. Uh, and I tried to do my own thing, but it was, yeah, it was just very difficult at the time. You know, people at, at that age all kind of either falling out of love of kind of music and, you know, doing, doing the kind of uni thing and going off to uni and all that kind of thing. So yeah, it was just a very shaky time and I was just like, it just didn't really work out. It's the way it goes sometimes. But I guess there's also a certain set of techniques that you have to know, otherwise it does ruin your voice. I know there are people who are untrained who do just go for it and ruin their, their cells. I've actually been looking into it quite a lot recently, just obviously with music being so quiet at the moment with the whole pandemic, um, training myself back up and reminding me of all these, you know, all the techniques trying to I'm trying to like basically push my voice into discovering more like clean stuff that I can do kind of and in in some of the videos I've seen you know it's kind of like it's made me actually realize how I've been doing that false chord and all this kind of thing and how people can progress to that point but I mean like when I started I was literally just sitting with my headphones on whispering <laughs> along just to, to the screaming parts and from there I guess it just mind muscle kind of thing connected and yeah I mean I've never other than when I've like either really pushed myself or been ill, I've never, I've never been to the point where it's just like, oh God, like my voice is actually really painful, which has been, you know, quite one good thing at least. So yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've been lucky in that regard. Moving back to the band again, you, you join the band and you become a member. 
what's the first gig with the band like? So you're coming into an already established band as something of a front man, which has got to be a bit of a challenge. Yeah, it was, I, I mean, yeah, it was, it was quite a weird one in the, in this regard. I mean, I've, I, in some ways I've, I've done it in, in depping sense, but that was a band Novena. I did some live, their first few live shows, but that was a band that already did have two, the idea was recorded and live was two frontmen. Yeah, this was quite different. Obviously also having seen the band several times, I, you know, they, they were kind of going through a transition and I was kind of joining them on that. In hindsight, it almost feels like they were, we were both kind of meeting in the middle. And now we've got this joint part where they were like a lot softer in a way to compared to the stuff that I was doing. But now we've molded, you know, we've shared our influences and stuff like that. In terms of the live show, yeah, it was, it was, to be honest, I was just trying to get the songs right. I had to like, I think I had three, three, three weeks maybe to learn I can't remember that we were we were actually we were playing a main stage at this charity festival in Hertfordshire, and it was like some big it was supporting Mallory Knox, so it was some big bands on the bill. Funnily enough, I think who was who was on the a few slots after us was that band Gold Key, who has a member of Sixth and uh, V Man turned up <laughs> backstage, and we were like, "Oh, that's the guy from Slipknot." <laughs> they were like, "What? Why?" It just like spread like wildfire. It was really funny. But yeah, I just, I didn't want to tread on any, any toes, but I think it was just, you know, I just figured if if they're going to want me, I need to just be myself, do the best I can. I'd been a bit out of practice having, I hadn't performed in eight months, something like that. It was September and I hadn't gigged since since February before because I had a, an operation in the, in the meantime. And yeah, so it was, it was, it was quite daunting because it was probably the biggest stage I've ever been on as well. It was, you know, daytime. So it wasn't, it wasn't, the pressure wasn't huge, but at the same time, it was like, where do I put myself? I always find that on big stages, it's like everything you have to do, you have to just do it bigger. (laughs) So it's like, it's quite hard to kind of make sure you don't uh, overdo it, I think. I mean, I guess the the natural place if i if i was singing which luckily i'm not um, if i was singing then the natural place or at any stage big or small would be in the middle but then when there's two front people who are both taking various parts of the song i guess that's got to work a bit differently yeah we've we've had to kind of refine that quite a lot in the especially when we came to the the raven age tour i think that's when we really look, looked at it properly and were like how are we doing this? Are we doing this like this and we take turns or are we doing this where we take turns in the middle kind of thing? I think with the first show, it was very much, I mean, luckily it was a big stage. So, you know, there was the opportunity to just kind of have that. Sometimes you just don't have that. Sometimes I'm like there with the bassist, like, yes, yes. Oh, here's my turn. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, I think that was, that was okay. I think that one, yeah, that one we kind of, we went for the, when we were doing our part, we would, move forward because we have the space it's it's kind of a, a case-by-case basis because sometimes you never know the kind of stage even on that raven age tour some of the venues were wildly different i think glasgow we played this tiny little 150 to 200 cap room like tiny little like, garage upstairs style tiny stage backstage was literally just drapes coming over part of the area and then we played stoke and we were like okay stoke haven't really i've never i'd never been there and it was this huge, like quite a big hall that it seems to be the music venue in Stoke, I guess, for that site, you know, mid mid to low range bands. And yeah, it was suddenly like, oh God, you know, we have to completely change up our uh, <laughs> our approach here. I mean, we were using like a riser and stuff. So that kind of gave us a bit of a cue as to we would kind of be like, okay, Cherry's parts ends here and then I will come over and, I, and I'll come on. 
it's, sometimes it's not so clear cut as that, but that was a good way for that toy at least to kind of approach the the dilemma. <laughs> so, have you had any any nightmare experience gigs where something went really wrong? And I'll preface this by saying you you don't have to name names. You can leave it anonymous if that helps. I'm trying to think like. Uh... I mean, stressful ones. There's always stressful ones. Um, I mean, we did a we did a headline show for a release show. Me and the guitarist were in the same two bands or something, and his stuff had been in my car from a previous gig or something. And I had just started a new job, and so trained it straight from work. And <laughs> we hadn't spoken like we hadn't like hadn't clocked that his stuff was still in my car. And he turned up and was like, "Yo, where's the stuff?" <laughs> So he had to borrow the entire rig of another guitarist. Bless it. Like, it was one of those moments where it's just like, you know, the scene just kind of just proved why just knowing people was really good. I mean, we knew the guitarist in the support band, so he was like more than happy to help out. So it was like, you know, it was like Christ's averted kind of thing. I think mo- most nightmarish in terms of like on the spot, like, oh God, what's going on, was um, we played... Uh, Previously to the band being called Archeon, it was kind of, it was called Clockwork originally when we had a few different members as well. We did a tour with Red Seas Fire and we played a tiny little basement venue in Glasgow. And we had this like huge rig and this, uh, we had like a DIY lighting setup where we had overhead lights and, and a strobe and stuff, which I can, which me and the bassist controlled. And um I think it was like first song in, we were all like, you know, on in the ears and stuff, the set ran on a backing track kind of thing. The first heavy part and the, and the bassist hit the strobe and the fuse on the entire venue blew. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so we were just like, continued playing. Our systems were still running. We were like, oh, wait, hang on. And then we had to, there was a long pause where the guy was like, okay, he had to come fix everything. And um, after, I don't know how many minutes, five, 10 minutes or something, we panicked and restarted the set, but the guitarist who was controlling the set put it on a song that we weren't playing on that on that tour. <laughs> and I don't think it was set up with any of the click tracks or anything. And it just continued as well. So we were just like, we just were like, well, we just have to have to do it now. <laughs> we just have to. And we just, I don't know how we managed to get through it. It was it was a bit of a uh, <laughs> on the nose. It just came down to knowing the songs. Just got to lean into it and commit at that stage. Literally, yeah. <laughs> It's also worth asking how you as a band find doing gigs with click tracks and backing tracks. So a lot of the bands who are in this podcast and who listen are more of the sort of, I'm going to call it classic rock to, to sort of traditional heavy metal style where it's where it's all no click tracks and you just go for it it's a very different approach how do you find it defense is actually we're we're a lot tighter on our budget generally in terms of just where the money goes essentially so our our live rig is a lot more stripped down and generally again it's another thing that we just we haven't you know we've done a fair few shows but it's just not been to the point where we've had had enough money to invest in um like a full rig because at the moment it's the drummer has a click and the I think the guitarists have something some sort of mix but other than that it's just me and me and Cherry have the same mix and we like very different things as well I'm I am used to the kind of having singing along to the song with also being able to hear my own voice where she just has the synths and strings and stuff and and her own voice and that's it there were there had been several times especially on some of the new songs where there was more ambience and stuff and timing was really important 
where we had to get into the rehearsal studio and I had to say, if you want me to be on point, add accounting just there, just just for the, you know, obviously it doesn't matter for Cherry because she's not doing anything at that point. Just stuff like that where I've had to use my experience to fill in some of the gaps. Doing stuff in Clockwork and Arcade on it was, um, it was weird. It was different, definitely a different experience, but I grew to quite in, enjoy having that because it felt more like how you how I learned anyway listening to the song and just singing along to it the only difference is I could actually hear myself and I could see hear what I was doing right and what I was doing wrong so that was good it was and and you know it was just a nice to know like it's almost like a, now a goal point so I've got that kind of in my mind like oh it would be great to have that again you know that would be my goal eventually to save up and have that much money that sort of setup to to uh, to feel comfortable on stage with. Not that I don't feel comfortable anyway, but there is sometimes, especially having monitors and stuff, we have had to do shows with monitors and stuff, front monitors. And I always find it's really difficult because you always end, end up overcompensating on vocals and then you get feedback and it's just, you know, it's just you then are louder and there's more feedback and it just goes back and forth. So yeah, generally speaking... I see the benefits of both, I think, is, is is my takeaway. I mean, I was in another band as well that had, we didn't, even the drummer didn't play with click. And the difference with that is that we had to practice in a room together all the time, which was expensive when, you know, I think at one point we were able to do it at, my, I think, my old house, um, which was a godsend. It got to the point where we were really tight because of that. And to be fair, actually, one of the reasons probably it fell apart is because we didn't have that base anymore to to be able to just lock into each other. It's, you know, small things like that you just don't think that are quite important to a band. You notice it afterwards, essentially. You've mentioned that the band was in a, I guess, a slightly different place in terms of its sound before you joined it. And then with what you've brought, it's changed a little bit. How do you all as a band go about changing your sound because that's something that a lot of bands maybe want to do, but it's how do you do that? Yeah, I think I think with them, it, be, it kind of came quite naturally. For, for me, like I've always been into kind of metalcore, maybe not the same kind of metalcore that they've been pre- doing previously. You know, like I, I generally like more like the traditional kind of riffy metalcore kind of stuff or like While She Sleeps, you know, the heavier, heavier kind of. But from from, you know, just having been around them since joining and seeing them change almost it, you know, from what stuff that Cherry has said and um, the other guys, they've always wanted to go a bit heavier, but um, the original bassist and screamer, he, uh, I think he did, had a lot to, to do with the original writing process. He like, he's still kind of like a good friend of the band and like, we do still sometimes consult him with ideas and stuff, but I think he definitely had a lot more say when it came to the first album. And I think, you know, having to think outside the box now with Callum being the only guitarist and kind of, you know, the songwriting coming down to him and the drummer, there was a bit more of a back and forth rather than like kind of like a, a triangle of, of creativity. Yeah, I think just generally, I think they've all kind of, we've all probably kind of matured, I think. And I think definitely noticed having seen, you know, like I said, that first show I saw them at, they had these like neon lights and it was more like, it was more kind of like, I don't know, it was just more like... Uh, spunky I guess is the only word I can think it was just a bit more like this is fun this is more like you know we're having a good time whereas now it feels a bit more like a bit more in, not introverted but a bit more introspective I think just a bit more mature like I know all bands say this and it's kind of a cliche just just trying to think about what it is we're writing and what we want to say which is good I think you know um there is a, a tendency to fall into kind of a uh, a certain sound because everyone is doing it or something like that I think with defences, it's just been kind of a natural 
thing really like the guitarist will write a riff the drummer will polish it up with some nice drums and then the vocals go on top kind of thing so yeah I think it's been quite a natural natural growth of the band especially like having a dedicated scream vocalist who can also do melody writing as well and stuff like that because that's you know I had experience as an only vocalist doing both screaming and singing so um yeah it's just I think extra experience you know all this kind of stuff is just um just kind of it's just a natural growth of the band really so moving over to the if I can put it this way the other half of band activities away from gigging and to recording what's your approach as a band to that so there's some people who very much favor the kind of home recording style and there's other bands who very much are let's go to the studio and record what's your feel for that I mean again this is another thing like different bands I've had different experiences in really I mean I was in a band recently that went to the same producer as like Sleep Token and Loathe who he's been nominated for these awards and stuff and it's weird sometimes you know what you expect what you have in your mind isn't always what you expect and vice versa because sometimes people are just very good at production i mean with archeon one of the guitarists a lot of the pre-pro was done at his and it it in some ways it would be release ready other than vocals maybe i think it depends on the person i mean with with defenses we've we've always done the pre-pro ourselves but we've always needed someone to kind of just bump it up a, a bit to be a bit more polished We've used, um, we've gone, since I joined anyway, we've gone with Daniel Kerr, who's, uh, who works at Avenue Studios and he does, he does a lot of metalcore and stuff. So he, you know, he's been in the scene for quite a while and, you know, we knew that he would do justice to our style really. Yeah. I think it's just, it's important to know, know what someone's strengths are because, you know, we've also then with Clockwork, we, we took a chance on a producer who as lovely as he was, and he had a really nice setup. It just him by himself was not experienced enough to deal with a project of that size and it just dragged on way longer than it should have been like if you don't if you're not really pushing stuff then that's fine but you know we were quite we had to always be chasing up and then there was a lot of back and forth I had to go to Manchester three times to finish the vocals because they, they, they overran so far and you know just stuff like that where it was just like it would have been maybe easier to do at home kind of thing no one knows your sound better than you unless you know someone well in a way we know that they'll do it justice i think it's it's difficult call but i think it comes with time basically as a band you go to a pro studio to record but you very much do a lot of your pre-production at home it might change in the future we don't know but for now it's it's worked and it's kind of it's been affordable and the environment which is also quite important i think yeah has been quite relaxed it's you know essentially just in his house so it's very like laid back there's no you don't feel that red light syndrome so much when you're recording your parts which i think is quite important really obviously you know it's important you get your money's worth you're not lounging around but at the same time you want to feel relaxed when you're when you're doing this rather than feel like you're in some concerto about to perform to a thousand people (laughs) It's one of those things when you're recording in a band, if you're playing, say, guitars or drums or bass, you want a nice atmosphere and that's that's lovely. But I think it's a whole nother level when you're singing because there's so much more of yourself that you're putting into it and you need to be in the right headspace for that, I think. Yeah, I think when, when it comes down to literally the food that you eat can affect 
you know so I, I think it is very important that you are in a good space that you can can feel yourself and you can you can not be afraid to experiment with ideas and stuff and have someone who's not going to be like mm, I don't know you know someone who's just going to be like oh, okay maybe try this instead or you know give you kind of suggestions I think that's quite important when we do pre-pro and stuff we've got we've done a variety especially for the EP that we released one of the songs was kind of structured when we were in a rehearsal studio just out of ideas but generally now like with the stuff we have been writing and the later songs on the EP as well that we wrote the guitarist and drummer would write it together and then send it over to the vocalists essentially so it was kind of more of an online process especially obviously at the moment given the fact it has to be we've actually like streamlined it quite a lot by using a zoom the screen share on zoom which has been really good especially when you just have pro tools open or logic or whatever and then be like, oh, what about this part? You know, what does everyone think of this? Or maybe do this, maybe punch in or some little melody idea or something, which has been really good for just songwriting in general. It's very helpful to have it recorded as you're writing, at least personally. You can visualise it so much easier. I definitely made that mistake when I was younger and just go in head first. I've got these songs I wrote on Guitar Pro, like, let's go. It sounds like this. I'm sure it'll be great. We don't really have enough money to continuously practice in a studio so let's just get to the studio and we'll record it in then so yeah pre-pro i think is essential really <laughs> like there's, there's no way to to do it without that i mean i think that's doubly true with your kind of music if you're like a bluesy rock band i think it's a lot easier to go in and just play a song and feel it and feel it but yeah 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 i think there's definitely there's definitely genres of music where it's it's more about the feel but yeah, metal and to some extent some rock as well. You need to have that. You just just know what the song is and know exactly how it's meant to sound. It also helps the producer out as well because you can just be like, oh, like I said, no one knows your own sound like like yourself. So you can kind of push the, the features that you want it to sound. And therefore, you know, if the producer comes back with something completely different, you can be like, okay, but look at this part, for example, just because we, we accentuated it for a reason kind of thing. It's also um, for any any bands there listening who are umming and ahhing about pre-production, whether they should bother or not. When you're going to a recording studio to have more or less a complete demo for your drummer to play along with is so good because the drummer will often get maybe a guitar that's like a rhythm guitar and it it just doesn't sound like the song will sound and they're not going to put in quite the right you know fills and things like that that are going to be so much easier if they can hear the entire thing basically yeah it will definitely throw you when you come to getting into the studio and you're like this doesn't sound like when we jammed it in the room because it won't you know songs always end up sounding wildly different live that's one of the reasons why the live scene is so important because it's like yeah, sure, anyone nowadays with all the tech that people have, you can sit and listen to a concert at home on 7.1 speakers and all this kind of fancy stuff, but people are still going to buy tickets to, to, to actually experience it, to have that kind of unprocessed sound almost. So moving behind the scenes a little bit, I guess, how's how's the band managed? Do you share out tasks or is there a, a kind of single point person who's in control, as it were? Uh, I suppose it's, yeah, it follows on from the recording ourselves part quite well because I was going to add how generally it's we're quite lucky because the brain I suppose of the band is the drummer so that's quite useful because he's got a rig at his and he's got these all the stems and all that kind of stuff so when it comes to pre-pro he's already got it all there he's you know ready to to, to practice ready to go and I think that has a knock-on effect to the rest of the band generally I mean we do task out all the different 
factors and facets of the band to different members. Generally, like Cherry and I do a lot more of the social media and just kind of engagement with fans and stuff like that. Um, spreading the word. Just generally, I'm like kind of the spreading the word kind of guy because that's what um, I've always been best at, I guess. Just kind of getting a word of mouth going. Um, Basis generally now has been in charge of merch because he's got all the printing stuff. We did a lot of like the hoodies and a couple of our hoodies and T-shirts were all DIY. So we had like a printer and he did all the films and stuff. So yeah, we got, we, and then the guitarist generally does a lot of the writing, the, the concepts of the writing are done from him and then the drummer will polish it up and that kind of back and forth happens for a bit and then it comes to the vocalists and, you know. So yeah, I think um, that's that's definitely helped in lockdown for sure, like just being able to kind of keep things ticking over. Do you think there's an advantage to doing it that way? Because there's a lot of bands who are organised around this particular member is in charge uh, for better or worse um do you find it's better kind of spreading out the jobs uh, yeah i don't know i suppose it can depend on different bands like i've seen other bands that do that also do it that way and it works Gen- i don't know i think personally I've, I've always found it quite um motivating to be set a task almost because then you feel like not only are you this this talent as it were this artist but you 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 are actually contributing to the business side of it as well or um, just the you know just the day to day constructivity of it. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's a difficult difficult one because it can depend on the, the the members' personalities really, and just maybe what they actually contribute. I think you know contribution is quite important. Yeah, it, it's it's hard. It's hard to kind of say which is right or which is best. I've personally always found that I quite like being quite hands on when it's possible. I guess it also means that behind the scenes, the band is firing on all cylinders, as it were, because you. You and um, Cherry can focus on the the let's go out and talk to people. The drummer can focus on if we're doing a bit of pre-production, I can get that kind of working and things like that. So you've you've got all that kind of covered. It's kind of the same as like the same mentality of as when we play gigs and stuff. As soon as it's packed down, it was like okay, the band band pack up their instruments and their you know the drum kit and all that kind of stuff. Any other bits and bobs? Me and Cherry straight to the merch table doing that kind of side of things so it, it's it kind of you know it translates to the same as to the business side really obviously there's times where you know you're busy with life and stuff like that you know these things do happen but i think it's just we've got we've got like three or four different band chats for different things one with the producer one with the management one with <laughs> one for business literally just one for like oh merch like yo this needs to be sent out or that needs to be sent out oh yeah when do you think this will go kind of thing so uh <laughs> sometimes it's difficult like sometimes we do like post in the wrong one like we will post business stuff in the normal one and then like meanwhile someone else is posting memes or something like that so so yeah we we we, we try and keep it regimented when we can <laughs> but things do slip through the cracks <laughs> a nice positive question before we talk about lockdown itself and what's happened there is what's what in your opinion has been the biggest success of the band so far can be anything big or small I think probably the biggest one that has happened anyway probably be the as part of the Raven Age tour that we did. I mean that alone was kind of a highlight because it was like a um, Leiden was it Leiden Nation no Kilimanjaro organized gig like, tour. So like you know it was quite quite a big deal for us to be able to get onto that. But then to top it off, we did um, we did London Underworld, which I'd actually never done. The, the rest of the guys had played it in various facets before. It was just the one venue that somehow I'd never played before. 
And uh, I think one of the first I'd actually been to in London. So it was kind of like this personal goal for that one. Um, And it was an almost, I don't know if it sold out on the night, but it was a very close to sell out gig, which was really cool to, yeah, like I said, to to actually finally play there and, and it actually be like completely packed when we came out on stage was just mind blowing. Other than that, I think, in terms of coming up, obviously we've got the um, that takeover a download festival, which we managed to get on, which was really cool. We just kind of applied because it was, I think, you know, lots of people were doing it at the time, and we were like, oh, you know, we should maybe give it a go, seeing as that we've got material coming out. Um, obviously, it was meant to be this year, but that's you know, <laughs> um, but we still it was really nice. They still actually gave us. Uh, they obviously had that um, live from home kind of kind of event. So yeah, we recorded some of the some of the tracks of the new the new EP. Um, and uh, yeah, just you know to have that kind of first first step, and then you know next year will be actual like actually getting out on to the pre show. We're really excited for that, and going to have lots of new material for it as well. So in a way, it delayed is a bit of a bummer, obviously, but we're going to have a lot more to show for it. Quite a laundry list of things that you <laughs> that you have as a big success. But there we go. Depends depends on what. Yeah, definitely. I guess a more. I was going to say depressing hopefully not depressing question is what have you and the band been doing in lockdown to stay productive you've obviously been doing a lot of demoing and working out songs like that and writing but well hmm. i mean we yeah we had the download takeover so that was just recording that getting that kind of we actually uh, had to get that kind of just like polished up and stuff that was one thing but like yeah i don't know i don't know what i can say <laughs> um we've we've been we've been busy <laughs> in terms like we've been busy recording basically in a nutshell so uh yeah there'll be there'll be some stuff in the works very soon videos and stuff like that you know all that kind of thing is coming up it's just yeah it's just been kind of like because of the lockdown it's just delayed the recording of of said material so you know it's it, it was it ends up being a kind of a blessing because we got to kind of go back to the the drawing board and see what we really didn't like about the songs if there was anything left that we could improve and i think the songs all all the better for it so you got a chance to go back and refine the music before you recorded it which is a, a great thing to do to be honest yeah so my final question to you is what goals do you have in the band for the next six months to a year i think given fingers crossed things can start to return to normal the next year don't know when but you know hopefully by the time this airs there'll be a bit more clarity to that we've started working with liam spencer of echelon bookings so he's now our our booking agent which is a massive godsend really we're very thankful for for him for taking on the risk you know given the current climate so that's you know i think that's been the band's weak point in terms of just not not just taking any small gig but also trying to kind of continue the momentum like we had during a tour of the raven age then it's been like cool, what do we do next? And, you know, we, we did our own London show at the end of last year. I think it was literally a year ago today, annoyingly enough. And, you know, we were, we had several plans for tours June this year onwards, you know, around download, all that kind of thing, which couldn't happen in the end. But now with Liam, you know, with having a booking agent, we do have tours and stuff in the pipeline, you know, things being booked at least, which, you know, is just good because we've been so busy on, busy focused on writing given the industry at the moment, it's just like, how how do you even start to book gigs at the moment, really? <laughs> Good question. I'm not sure I'd know where to start. So you've got, I guess your your big goal is to 
gig <laughs> long, long and short yeah i think so given given the fact we've been working so much on new material and stuff it would be really nice to get it out and just be able to bring because with the ep it was kind of like oh people who had known defenses before knew they were quite like an alt rock metal kind of band you know it wasn't too heavy it was the kind of stuff that maybe gets on american radio or something that kind of thing whereas we're we're trying to tap into a bit more like of a, a raw sound i think with what we did with the ep and for the the new material so i think it's yeah we're just trying to um it would be nice to kind of just reintroduce the band properly and kind of just yeah just get into people's heads really you know musically and name wise <laughs> always writing songs to get into people's heads you know that's the that's the aim <laughs> so uh will to to close out the podcast i'm going to ask you for your favorite song from the band to play at the end of the podcast uh what is it and why yeah we have this question a lot but i think i think a lot of us actually go with over from our recent ep I think it was the first time we really were like, this is this is it. This is like kind of the sound going forward. And I think, you know, that's why we put it as part of the EP because it kind of, the whole EP shows that transition. So yeah, I think over, over. So this is Defences with Over. Well, it's been really great to talk to you. Likewise, man. It's been great just to chat the breeze. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll take it back, I'm sorry